Continuing our discussion of the natural attributes of God, we now ask, what do we know about the omniscience of God from the Bible? The Bible has presented God as the self-existent first cause, existing in three personalities. All the functions of personalities we have seen are ascribed to the Godhead and are presented in a way that we can understand something of their actions. Since man is said to have been created in the image of God, it is indeed certain that our actions would be similar to those of God. God manifests concentrations of intellectual activity. He manifests reactions in emotional life and determinations of will. In narrating these, the Bible gives no clues that they are not real and essential actions of the being of God. To manifest the functions of personality, succession of events is a positive necessity. Thought must be entertained in time. In actions of will, there have to be a period of time when certain actions had not taken place. Then there must have been a later moment when certain decisions were made. Apart from a past, present, and future, therefore, no actions can be taken. But the scripture sets forth God as having existed from eternity past, as acting in the present, and as continuing into the eternal future. Continuing our discussion, therefore, we now consider the matter of the knowledge or understanding that the Godhead possess. First of all, the word omniscience is commonly used in presenting this matter, which has the simple meaning of all-knowing. There are no objects of knowledge withheld from God. His understanding is infinite or beyond measure, said the psalmist in 148.5. There is no searching of his understanding, wrote Isaiah in chapter 40, verse 28. Job was told of the God who is perfect in knowledge by his advisors, chapter 37, 16. The apostle Paul extolled the greatness of God in Romans 11 and verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. The tremendous concept that Paul had of the greatness of God reflects itself in this verse. John wrote of the extensiveness of God's knowledge in his first epistle, chapter 3 and verse 20, when he declared that God knoweth all things. God knows all that is taking place, both in nature and among men. Let us read a number of scriptures setting forth this fact. First of all, in Proverbs, chapter 15 and verse 3, we read this statement, that God is observant of all things that are taking place. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, beholding the evil and the good. And in the 147th Psalm and verse 4, we have a description 
of God's observation of the heavenly bodies, the stars. He telleth the number of the stars. He calleth them all by their names. In Matthew 10 and verse 29, you recall our Lord spoke of the small details of the animal creation and the knowledge of sparrows and the fact that none of them fall to the ground without his knowledge. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing, saith the Lord, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. So the knowledge of God extends to every detail. And in the third chapter of Exodus and verse 7, we have God observing the sufferings of the children of Israel as they were in bondage down there in Egypt. And the Lord said, I have surely seen the affliction of my people which are in Egypt and have heard their cry by reason of their taskmasters, for I know their sorrows. And in the 31st chapter of Deuteronomy, verses 16 to 18, we have a indication of the future departure of Israel from the walk with God that God so desired they should continue in. God is speaking to his servant Moses shortly before Moses was to ascend to the mountain and there be buried by God. And the Lord said unto Moses, Behold, thou shalt sleep with thy fathers, and this people will rise up and go a-whoring after the gods of the strangers of the land, whither they go to be among them, and will forsake me and break my covenant, which I have made with them. Then my anger shall be kindled against them in that day, and I will forsake them, and I will hide my face from them, and they shall be devoured, and many evils and troubles shall befall them, so that they will say in that day, Are not these evils come upon us, because our God is not among us? And I will surely hide my face in that day, for all the evils which they shall have wrought, in that they are turned unto other gods. So here God possesses a foresight as to what was going to take place among his own chosen people. Verse 29, For I know that after my death, Moses speaking, ye will utterly corrupt yourselves and turn aside from the way which I have commanded you, and evil will befall you in the latter days, because ye will do evil in the sight of the Lord to provoke him to anger among the works of your hands. But this was not entirely unfounded, as we read in verse 27. For I know thy rebellion and thy stiff neck. Behold, while I am yet alive with you this day, ye have been rebellious against the Lord, and how much more after my death. So Moses had had experience with the children of Israel, and God had communed with Moses as to their rebellious attitude many times. So this was to be expected in a sense because of their attitude. In the 33rd Psalm and verses 13 to 15, we notice that God is beholding the actions of men. The Lord looketh from heaven. He beholdeth all the sons of men. From the place of his habitation, he looketh upon all the inhabitants of the earth. He fashioneth their hearts alike. He considereth all their works. So nothing escapes 
the observant eye of God. And God's knowledge prevails throughout every portion of the universe. In the 139th Psalm and verses 1 to 4, O Lord, thou hast searched me and known me. Thou knowest my down-sitting and mine uprising. Thou understandest my thoughts afar off. Thou compassest my path and my lying down and art acquainted with all my ways. For there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it altogether. So God not only knows the actions, but he is aware of every expression or every particle of knowledge that resides within our minds. He knows what is transpiring in our minds and every detail about us. God thinks upon man's doings, we are told, in the fifth chapter of Proverbs and verse 21. For the ways of man are before the eyes of the Lord, and he pondereth all his goings. And in Ezekiel chapter 11 and verse 5, we realize that this knowledge extends to the very thoughts that enter into the minds of men. So nothing can escape the observant eye and the knowledge of God throughout the whole realm of man's existence. Therefore prophesy against them, O son of man. And the Spirit of the Lord fell upon me and said unto me, Speak, thus saith the Lord, thus have ye said, O house of Israel, for I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them. So every thought within the minds of men, God has knowledge of. And God's knowledge extends to every detail of our personality, as the blessed Lord narrated in the 10th chapter of Matthew, that the very hairs of our head are all numbered. And so we see the great extensiveness of God's knowledge. But God's knowledge also extends to many future actions of men. For example, in the third chapter of Exodus and verse 19, we have a comment upon Pharaoh when Moses was praying and dealing with God. And I'm sure that the king of Egypt will not let you go. No, not by a mighty hand. Elisha, for example, prophesied of certain events that were soon going to come, and they were fulfilled. For example, in 2 Kings chapter 7 and verses 1 and 2, then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel, and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria. Then a lord, on whose hand the king leaned, answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make the windows of heaven, might this thing be. And he said, Behold, thou shalt see it with thine eyes, and but shall not eat thereof. So here was a detail that God revealed to Elisha as what was going to come. But our blessed Lord very solemnly portrayed his rejection of men. Although he came with all the delicate kindness and love of his very heart, they nevertheless 
prepared themselves to reject him. And so our Lord Jesus in the 20th of Matthew and verses 17 to 19 revealed this to his disciples. And Jesus going up to Jerusalem took the 12 disciples apart in the way and said unto them, Behold, we go up to Jerusalem and the Son of Man shall be betrayed unto the chief priests and unto the scribes and they shall condemn him to death and shall deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and to scourge and to crucify him and the third day he shall rise again. So we have these many events uh, prophesied and known to God in advance, it appears. Our Heavenly Father, receive thanks for thy kindness and thy mercy. Receive thanks for this revelation of thy knowledge and how impossible it is for us to escape and cover up any of the sins of our lives. Oh, may many realize that it's perfectly useless to try to cover up sin, that someday it will be exposed and brought forth to judgment. Oh, that before the time of judgment and during this age of grace, many may repent of sin and come to the cross of Jesus, exercise faith in the Savior, be forgiven and transformed in their lives to serve thee henceforth and forever. In Jesus' name, our Savior. Amen.